Today on Training Group Live, Ben Steger and I discuss fitting your gun to your hand and how to tell if you should be making changes to your gun. After the paywall, Ben and I talk to Andreas Yankopoulos about switching guns and the most efficient way we have found to get up to speed with an unfamiliar gun. Welcome to Training Group Live, your home for all things practical shooting. So make ready, it's time to train. Welcome to Training Group Live. Today I am sitting down with Ben. Hello. We are going to talk about fitting your gun to your hands. This, this is a question we get asked a lot in classes, podcasts. Yeah. Well, and, and as much as as much as this comes up, I still feel like it doesn't come up enough because there's one thing I see. <laughs> <laughs> like I see it more frequently than anything else, and we're going to talk about all this systematically, I'm sure. Yes. But I, like when I still when I see a, a large adult male shooting a Shadow Two with those skinny ass factory grips on there, I'm just uh -huh. it makes every time I kind of grip my teeth a little bit. Like, Ugh. <laughs> I don't, I can't remember the last class I did without telling someone, I'm like, hey, dude, just with a Shadow Two, just like, hey, just go try some other people's grips. Because I just don't think these work for you. And we want to avoid those situations. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you probably want to know more about that, which we will we'll work, get there. We'll work our way we'll to. Get there. So, I mean, shoot me straight, Ben. Give me the facts. How do I measure to know if the gun fits my hands? Do I, like, measure my fingers or my glove yeah. size or something? That's going to tell me, right? <laughs> Isn't that this, this the easy fix? Yeah, we were discussing this before. I think if we had such a system of, like, actual numbers, measuring... All these different points on the gun, it would be so insanely complicated. It would be. It. No, I don't. I don't have such a system. I'm there not isn't smart one. Enough to create it. I don't think there is one. <laughs> no. So I mean, what we're gonna get to is how do you know? I I can't measure it. I can't just give you a a one size fits all of this answer. So like, there's questions to be asking yourself and things to be working through to find out how you make your gun work for you. So the first thing I think that normally comes up with people is. The controls you know people i think the first one to talk about that people really get hung up with is the magazine release they think maybe they don't they don't need to shift their grip they need to be able to hit the button without shifting oh their God. grip or yeah, you know yeah, yeah. all yeah. kinds of crazy stuff happens well yes what do you uh, think i think not like first and foremost what matters is that your hands can mate to the gun in a way that the gun's not coming out of your hands when you're shooting it. So under recoil, you can keep, I mean, predominantly we're talking support hand here, mm -hmm. right? You can keep your support hand clamped onto the gun somehow, some way, so your grip stays put. And with your hands in that position, you can reach the trigger properly, right? That's what has to happen. Now that's not as not as simple as it sounds because you might have a double single trigger where the trigger sits in two different positions, you know. Like mm -hmm. it's complicated. It is. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but that's first and foremost. I would I would rank order the priorities. Like that's number one. Whether or not you can reach the, I'll tell you flat out. I can't reach the mag release on my guns. Yeah. I can't reach it. We're getting hung up on the slide stop or something like your slide yeah. release. Like I don't necessarily want to be able to reach the slide stop with my firing hand thumb. On a, actually, I'll say this: on a competition, I don't use that technique. I like, I will hit the slide stop with my support hand thumb to make sure that I'm not inadvertently hitting it when before I chamber the round, yeah. or before I get the magazine to the gun, something like that. Or to give examples of specific guns, uh, guns like a Sig 226, 
where people shoot that and their thumb is actively what disengaging the slide stop then you, you know on the last round the slide goes forward into battery and then you get a click because you're actively pressing down that control yeah. while the gun's firing yeah so to if i were going to rank order it it would be like that the 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 grip your your hands mating to the gun properly so that you can hold on to it and typically the issues the gun's going to be too small or the grip panel's too small so you don't have space for your support hand to get in there like you should be able to get your support hand locked into the gun so that somebody can't move the gun even a millimeter when they're twisting it around in your hands like that's that's what you want you want to clamp your hands on the gun or be able to at least yeah and spe- specifically the meaty part of your palm of your support hand yeah that area you should have room between your fingers and the palm i suppose or the the, the grip of the firing hand if i'm explaining this well you should have a pocket for your support hand to go in that meaty part of your palm that you can contact the gun yeah and if the 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 distance around your gun is too small, the grips are too small, then your fingers are going to be going too far around the gun. Yeah, your firing hand fingers. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, thank yeah. you. Your firing hand fingers. Yes. And then there creates no room to put your support hand because you're putting your support hand into your firing hand fingers. And there's just nothing to get. Like, you just can't get more control <laughs> on the gun. Yeah, you're There's nowhere to go. Yeah. So you need you need to get it, you know, you need to set it up to be bigger. You know, it, that's... That's the most common correction. It's the most common issue I see. Uh, <laughs> and it'll be the shadow twos with the thin grips. Correct. You know, on adult males. Uh-huh. Like, it'll be, hey, this is a problem. I agree completely. All right. Now, uh, I think we should come back to the trigger. Okay. Especially because that's another issue where you're going to want to fit that. And that on the CZs especially. And I'm not trying to pick on CZs. This would be an issue with 10 folios if more people shot them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, the 10 folio triggers are a bit more curved. But yes. um, on the CZs especially, you have a, a bit a bit of a reach for many people to get to that double action trigger. And then the single action trigger is going to sit way further back. Um, that's an issue you can, just like changing the grips, you can change triggers and, and change some things in there to fit the gun to you. So that is, you know, another option you should consider. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give it to you straight. I was shooting SPO1 Shadows. I was looking to upgrade to Shadow 2s. I had my a gun shop have two of them on hold. I went and held them. And I could just, just with messing around with the guns, I had problem getting my trigger finger I did not feel like I could get it far enough to the trigger. The trigger was farther forward. And that was instantly, I was just messing with the gun in the store. Like, hey, something's going to have to change here. You know, like either I need to get a, at the time you couldn't do like the short reach triggers or all the parts that are allowed now. But yes, being able to reach the trigger in a spot that's comfortable and that you feel like you have control. Not just the the very tip of your trigger finger. Maybe it's going to slide off or you're not going to get as, enough, as much leverage on. <laughs> so being able to get your finger to a proper position where it feels comfortable. Because obviously under competition, you might not have a, a perfect draw or, you know, whatever. You need to be able to reach the controls and operate the gun comfortably. Yeah, uh, this is true. So, any, so yeah, like, well, I'll let you go. Where do you want to go with this, Joel? I want to go back to the mag release a little bit because people get do get really hung up on that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I can't say it any other way than I cannot reach my mag release with my firing hand without moving my firing hand around the gun. Correct. So I kind of release my hand when I reload so I can punch my thumb around and grab the mag release. About half of the top shooters in the U.S. cannot reach their mag releases, Yep. I would say, if I was going to put a number to it. 
if you think it's fair to describe it, I kind of flip the gun in my hands a little bit, I suppose. And so I just kind of flip it inwards, then I can hit the button, and then I kind of flip it back. Yeah, this, doesn't, easy way to, this does not cost time. No. this is It, it really doesn't. Nope, and very common. And the, the, the reason that we'd be okay with that is... Now, if you just kind of imagine what the uh, the mag like the, the 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 grip panel or the grips around the gun near the the magazine release looks like, now I have more space again to get my support hand in there, and I'm not worried about interfering with that button. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that that's something that you see another, especially the, the guys with the limited guns and the open guns love to put the the button extendos mm-hmm. out there and they're. <laughs> and the magazines are falling out of the mm-hmm. guns when they when they grip the gun just a little bit differently. Like if that's you, it's not worth it. It's never worth it. If that thing's getting in your way, get that crap off your gun because it is not helping you. Absolutely. Or a table pickup where they push down the gun just a little <laughs> bit, the magazine falls out, or their holster. I shouldn't be laughing. <laughs> I'm only laughing because it's it's funny sometimes. It is. <laughs> yes. You hate it for the first at the time. But no, yes, like the, the first time that happens to you, I will feel bad for you. Mm-hmm. The second time, the sympathy is gone. By the third time, I see, you know, you see that the, the same Oh, no, dude, not again guy. The guy <laughs> yeah. who comes to a match and he has that problem on a stage and he's like beating himself up. And then you watch him for the whole season and there's no change made to the gun. And that happens like three times. And it's like, I'm not feeling bad for you by the third time. Now I'm laughing at you. Mm-hmm. Not, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> not to be a complete a-hole, but like. Uh, no, uh, that makes sense. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think another thing that's really important to talk about that you can't even really measure is just how the gun feels in your hands. If it feels comfortable, if you just like, I mean, we talk about stock twos. I just like the shape of the frame. It's just comfortable. I pick that gun up. It feels like it fits well in my hands. It's just, it doesn't cause me any pain when I grip the gun hard. It's just right for me. Yeah, it fits you. Yeah. Yeah, like having this subjective feel that the gun's right for you, that's, I think that's big. I do too. Yeah. Or somebody picks up a Glock and it, this just fits my hand perfect. The, like the Gen 5 without the finger grooves. Yeah, people you pick ha- it up and you just like it. It's just pe- instant. Like. People have a way of making themselves right when mm-hmm. they have an idea about something. So that is like, true. This gun fits me. Well, you're going to make yourself right. Yes. Like, or if you're like, I hate this gun. It's like, all right, you're going to make yourself right and you're going to shoot that gun poorly. Yeah. Um, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think it's really important to go back to is your support hand doing anything is a question I really ask myself when I'm shooting a gun, even my own gun, or if I see somebody in class. Um, we talked about the CZs having the thin grip panels, but most guns have either an interchangeable back strap or grip panels of some type. And I think one of those options is pretty much essential on a competition gun. Yeah, like at this point, I'm not sure what you could buy that wouldn't have something like that. I'm thinking... I mean, all the big popular options, definitely, you can either change the panel or change the back strap, depending on the design of the gun. And that's, I mean, that's, I don't know if this will be controversial, probably not, but I'd say in the last 10 years, that is the most important development in production handguns. I agree. I mean, it is the most. Forget about all this other bullshit that people are hanging off their guns, like, being able to, fat like, from the factory, just to buy a gun, like, buy a Glock. And instead of just being stuck with it, now you there's the tools are right there. You can fit it to your hand better. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big innovation. Oh, I totally agree. Um, and then also, you know, within grip panels, there's so many different types. Where some are thin, thick, checkered, 
whatever. Um, having something aggressive, I don't want something that tears my hands up, but somebody like the really, really aggressive, but you want something with some, some form of, you know, grippy surface. So another good thing that I like that I've used is grip tape on guns like Glock. That helps a lot, but some form of, I think, stippling or grip tape is a good idea also. Yeah, I mean, if you if you have the gun not sticking with your hand, yeah, then you, you need to address that situation because what what we said at the, well what I said at the top was like the it's the non negotiable for all of this is that you can grip the gun properly. That's so you can manage to recoil and shoot it fast. Like mm -hmm. if your hand if your support hand especially is not staying put on the gun, that like that's just it will never get better. Like you have to fix that. Or if you feel like the gun's moving inside your hands, you just can't get a good grip on it you feel like there's some type of movement around the gun no matter how hard for instance uh i have a glock gen 5 and i felt like no matter how much pro grip i put on even just with a factory grip i had to grip really really hard and it felt like it was just never-ending battle of trying to get that gun to stick you know in my hands added some grip tape and that helped me fix the situation so absolutely yeah um I think the next place to talk about is aftermarket support, which is actually really important when you think about a competition gun. Yeah, I kind of, well, I kind of want to grant against the grain on this <laughs> one time. So when I started shooting with a Beretta, there was not a ton of aftermarket support. But what I, I was at least smart enough to uh, make sure that I could get the gun to where I wanted it to be, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. So what I didn't like about the gun was like, Hey, this uh, I was shooting a the version where you could change the front sight, mm -hmm. which back in those days was not easy to find. But it was like, hey, I can at least change the sights and get the sights to where I want them, and I can get a proper holster for the gun that'll work. So it's like I made sure that the aftermarket support to get the gun where I wanted to go, I made sure that was in place. Um, so you don't want to be somebody. I mean, what's a good example? Like a Canic. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be like a product tester for a Canic. Um, like. I would Jason Bradley, yep. who who he's around on the he's uh, he he kind of did that. He's like go get a Canic, and then he figures out the trigger and he messes with all this stuff and he gets the gun to where he wants it. But I w I don't want to be that guy who the guy who like figures out the aftermarket solutions to stuff. I like to have to know what the ready made solutions are. I agree. No, I appreciate his contribution. <laughs> yes, thank, thank you. Thank you for your service. Yes, exactly. I'm glad he did that. So if I ever want to shoot that gun, I don't have to. Yeah, he's good. He, he can set it up Yeah. perfect for me. Yeah. yeah. But if I buy a Tanfo, a Stock 2, or a Shadow, you pretty much already, there's so many people shooting that gun, so much support. I could, you know, yeah. there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah. Um, within talking about sights, like you said, being able to drift the sights... Being able to change the sights or get the sight configuration you want is extremely important. Yes. For example, like I wouldn't want three dot sights if that was the only option for my competition gun. Yeah, I, I shot three dot sights for like three years. It wasn't a good idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do horrible, but in retrospect, it was kind of dumb. Yeah, probably so. And even so... It's worth talking about on, not to get too far into the weeds, but even like on my Tanfolio, I have a little bit thinner front sight because I like seeing daylight on both sides of the blade. That's a possibility with the gun I shoot. And if I want less daylight, I could change the blade. Some guns, maybe you don't have that. So it's just cool that, you know, I picked a gun that I'm able to pretty much do any configuration I want. If I want to shoot, you know, whatever distance I want to zero at, whatever. Um, Anyway, lots of aftermarket support and lots of options.
Yeah, that's that. Like the more aftermarket support, the better, as far as I'm concerned. And that would go along with base pads to make sure you're able to, you know, if you want to use aftermarket base pads, I suppose. I recommend it pretty strongly. I think I'm that there's not a gun I've picked up yet that I don't think would benefit just from, you know, you get that extra half inch of space Uh when you're sticking a reload in there and it makes life a lot easier. I agree. Now, if you're newer to shooting, you might think it's dumb or it might just seem sort of dumb to buy, I don't know, 10 or 12 magazines and then be into it for like, you know, a 20 or $25 base pad times 10 or 12 magazines when you're starting out. Mm -hmm. That might seem crazy. So maybe don't do that right away. Right. (laughs) But I'm telling you, it's like, aside from the money, having aftermarket base pads on there, just to give you a little bit of an extended, like a little more space, mm-hmm. it makes life a lot easier on the reloads. Yeah. Um, and then it even sounds dumb, but make sure someone makes a holster for the gun you're going to use. Which any yeah, of the... Yeah, don't be the canic guy. <laughs> don't be the guy, like you'll be, I, I get these emails, so I'm like, do you know where I can get a holster for this? And it's like, man, good luck buddy because you'll be the dude who's taking your gun and you got to mail your gun to some holster guy or go find some guy and he bends the kydex around it and then you have like one holster for your gun that's a little bit jank and then three months later you break that holster and you're like now you're hosed you have to go get i mean you if the stuff's ready made on the market then you won't have these issues correct and i'm not saying you have to buy a glock a cz or a tanfo (laughs) no no, but just uh, make sure the parts are available. Yeah. 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 Make sure it's a good idea, especially if you're making a new purchase for a gun. Just roadmap it out where you want it to go before you buy it. Get a good sense of what it is. Make sure you can get everything. The easiest way to do this is go to a match and monkey with other people's stuff and find a setup you like, and just be like, "Hey, where did you get this crap?" And then just boom, there you go. Yep. That's the easiest way to do this. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it's also the cheapest way to do this stuff. Yes. Probably on balance, this would be the cheapest way to go. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit... Ben knows me well. I'm a little bit frugal. <laughs> yeah, you are. It's weird. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I remember... Like the... Scrooge McDuck sitting on your piles of cash. <laughs> All right, then. How would you like a knuckle sandwich, sir? <laughs> so I remember, if you remember, the very first time I took a class from you, I had a CZ... I was shooting an SPO one and I remember I commented to you that I really liked talking about guns somehow like oh I really like these thin grips these are awesome they're from the the uh custom shop CZ custom I really like these really thin grips and then I'm shooting a bit and after Ben doing some some demonstrations it was quite obvious the gun was not fitting my hand my support hand was not doing anything I am completely oblivious to this and uh my friend Cody was in the class also and uh, one of his guns broke and luckily he had two and so I'm like, hey, how about that broken gun with that extra set of grips? Can I borrow those? And so I just swapped his grips onto my gun. I used those grips the rest of the class. And then guess what? Using that for whatever, a couple hundred rounds, I had those bad boys ordered and in the mail before you even got home to your place, like after the class. Yeah, absolutely. So like, I liked those a lot. I got to try them before I buy them, so to speak. That was the jam. So I just order them. Done. Um, so I do want to, I guess, single out some guns for issues we commonly see in class and the workarounds form or what people should be thinking about, especially for the guns we see large numbers of. Yeah. So the Glock's up first? Glock's are up first. We see so many of those in classes. What do you... I mean, just the fit, the fitment? Yeah. Um, it'll be people running no backstrap on... Or people having the gun set, set up with the improper backstrap, typically set up 
too far to the small side. I agree. Yeah, so that's the most common issue you're going to see with Glocks. Because I think people only consider... (laughs) I think they consider trigger reach, uh, magazine magazine release, release, uh, and don't consider support hand position. Whereas I would... I would invert that. It would be like support hand position first, then trigger, and then I don't even give a shit about it. Like, I'm making sure I don't hit the mag release inadvertently or something. Mm-hmm. So that's super common. And we'll see that with your... Uh, uh, when people are doing rapid fire, you can see their hands and the gun aren't working as a team. It's like their firing hand and the gun kind of move together and recoil, and the support hand sits sits a little more still, and you're like, yeah, that support hand's not made it onto the gun, and then you look a little closer, and you've got a, you'll have like a big, like a big dude shooting a Glock with, uh, with, with no backstrap on it, or the small backstrap or something, and it's like, it's, there's just not enough for him to grab onto with the support hand side. I agree. And then within those Glock, within those Glock shooters, some people aren't using any kind of grip enhancer or pro grip, which I would recommend, and then thinking about Stippling is good. It's, you know, it's kind of permanent to your gun, or at least trying grip tape. Yeah. I've seen a lot of people really have success with that because grip tape's inexpensive. You get I have the Talon grips on mine, which are twenty bucks. If you don't like it, you can pull it off, and it gives you a, a really aggressive surface to try to yeah you know get to stick to your hands. Yeah, Absolutely. and if you don't like it, it's not very expensive. Yeah. Okay, we've picked on them some. We should talk about Shadow Twos. Yeah, the factory grips on those are stupid. I mean, I'd like to use a different word, a more diplomatic word, but no, there's not really a different word for it. The grips on them are stupid. They're they're flat. They're too small for an average-sized adult male's hands. The grips are too skinny, and they're slippery. Yeah, it's like they intentionally made them slippery. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what they were thinking of when they made those. Um, those grips are those grips suck. I mean, they I think they look I think they look sharp. Yeah, on the they gun. look nice, but they are stupid. Um, so. Again, when I see like an adult male shooting with those grips, like I almost, almost never can they hold onto the gun properly. Almost never. Mm-hmm. It's very challenging. Like I can shoot those. I I don't have super big hands, so I can shoot those grips properly. But it is so much work because of how slippery they are. Mm-hmm. It's like oh my god, mm-hmm. those are miserable. And that's one of the prime examples. You see so many of those in a class setting or a match setting. You're going to see somebody with a Shadow 2. And if they have aftermarket grips, just ask if you can hold their gun. USPSA especially, people tr- will trip over themselves to show you their yeah. gear or talk about their gear or what yeah. you know part they have. And the other thing that's worth consideration with the Shadow 2s especially is that you you will see smaller-handed people, females, shooting uh, with small hands shooting the gun and then really struggling. They can shoot the factory grips okay, but they really struggle on the trigger reach. And that's where you want to look at the aftermarket trigger reach reduction mm-hmm. stuff because um, there's just so much of a difference on the shadows between the factory position for the double action throw and the single action throw. Mm-hmm. And you might be set up set up well for one and not the other. And that you can mitigate that issue with aftermarket support. Absolutely. Uh, let's discuss Tanfo, stock twos yeah. or stock threes. What issues do you see with those? I'm not a huge fan of the factory grips. Uh, uh, the factory grips typically go away for most of these guns, just because they're so smooth. Specifically with that gun, they're wooden grips on the later, on the earlier guns they were checkered, but on the current guns they're making now, I guess um, they're really smooth. 
and there's just there's not really a way to get traction on it it feels like yeah i don't like so those grips probably going to go mm-hmm. or at least get ground down and grip taped but that seems like a lot of work anyway so it just it does just go away yeah so i i would i would smoke those grips but that's not really a fit issue that's more of a, a traction thing mm-hmm. um as far as fit like the you know, the tanfolios have a shorter throw with the uh the double action triggers i agree so they have you're going to have less of a fit issue which is honestly that's why i prefer the tanfolios because they're easier to fit to my hand yeah that's the, why i shoot them the only issue i've really seen is uh do you know the weasel there's an extreme trigger which comes in the extreme guns, which is a little bit further forward and it's curved differently. It's a little more flat. Yeah. And yeah. that makes a farther reach from your finger, I suppose, from your hand. Yeah. And then the regular guns come with more of a curved trigger. And that's really the only thing I've seen that maybe people develop a preference one versus the other. Yeah. The, well, yeah, there's going to be with a preference. With the grips, of course. Just, and it's, it's, again, it's like like with the, sh- with the, uh, the shadows. Um, you just understand what different sort of trigger, physical triggers or reach reduction kits or all this stuff... If you just understand what options are available, you can get the stuff installed in your gun that's going to fit it for you. The easiest way to do this, again, monkey with other people's stuff at a match. It's like, hey, can I can I finger fuck that gun? Or you don't have to ask it that way. That's maybe what yeah. I ask. Um, but then you can play around with the gun. I'm sorry, Joel. I'm trying to keep it. I'm, I'm trying to keep it together. You're on your best behavior. <laughs> uh, but yeah, learn to ask and you know play around with the gun and then just copy that setup. Yeah, especially with the removable grip panels because they've got. Palm swells, thick, thin, all kinds of different contours, and then aggression yeah. levels where some are really sharp, some are smoother. So, yeah, again, like with the with the uh, the, the grip paneled guns, those I think are very easy to modify for a fit. So you just get the grips that work for you. Like dump the factory grips because they're typically stupid. Put on put on mm-hmm. grips that you like, and away we go. I like it. Um, so what if I don't shoot a Glock, a Shadow 2, or a Tanfo? Well, then you probably shoot a SIG. A SIG 320. <laughs> Those guns are excellent. Extra, which, again, you just change out the, the grip module. Mm-hmm. And away you go. Really, yeah. Yes. So we picked on like, a couple guns with specific issues, but really, you're going to see that issue in you know the same type of degrees on other guns also. Yeah, like the, the... Is your support hand doing anything? Do you have enough room to get both hands on your gun? Do you need more traction? Yeah. Those are, the, I think, the main things to be thinking about. So what? So the other, probably the one to talk about, the the, the Canics we talked about a little bit. I'm not sure. Do those come with interchangeable back straps? Yep. They do. Yep. Well, there you go. So make sure you get that gun fitted for you. And uh, this the P10s from CZ, if anybody shoots those, same, I mm-hmm. think. Yep. So there you go. Get it fitted for you. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, okay. Well... Coming up next, we have a lengthy conversation with our friend Andreas. Oh, yeah. That's uh, it was quite After excellent. After the paywall. After the paywall, yes. After the paywall. Well, right. sorry. Yeah. Bad news. Uh, so we discuss in depth uh, fitting the gun to your hand somewhat, but also, more importantly, breaking in your gun, testing your gun, and training with your gun if you, you know, want to get up to speed with your gun. So yeah, learning a new gun and uh, making sure it works. We'll see you guys in the second half. Welcome back to Training Group Live. Uh, we have a special guest today. Uh, I've got Ben with me here, and we are going to talk to Andreas Yankopoulos. Did I get it right? Yes. Uh, you always do. You always do. 
Well, I'm always worried I'm going to butcher it. It's a scary-looking name if you're a native <laughs> English speaker, so yes, it is. <laughs> uh, today, I want to talk about something that's very seasonal, that, uh, is, which was switching guns. So, Wait, why is this seasonal? Well, good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of weirdos on this group. That's true. You never know. Well, the off-season uh, for most people's done. Most people are probably starting up their training at the beginning of the year. Uh, if you're someone that's maybe you want to try a different gun this year, maybe it's a, a gun you've just been playing around with, or maybe you're making a serious switch to a different platform. I kind of wanted to speak to the process of what it's like to get, you know, to test a new gun, uh, what, how, you know, how training should progress, and kind of just the steps that I think, you know, that we all would follow if we were switching guns. That sounds okay to you. No, absolutely. I got to be, a, I'm, I'm happy that for this particular gun switch, I got to be a little piece of the magic you did, and, and like plant the seed that has now blossomed into, I don't know, a Venus flytrap for your opposition. I think it's, I think it's too, uh, too soon to say, but it's looking good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so Andreas, what, tell us about your switch. You were shooting a Glock that you do quite well with. Andreas is a GM. He knows what's up. He teaches classes. Uh, he's quite good shooting his Glock and you decided to switch to a stock two. Yes. Because you wanted to see what you're missing out on. Yes. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, with, the, with, the, with the Glock, it hasn't been coming together for me shooting at longer distances. So like mini poppers at 15, 20 yards, partials at 15 plus yards. I've uh, just really been struggling with it. Okay. And I know from some past conversations that I had with Ben, he had, had pointed out that he likes the Tanfo for tight shots. So I, yeah. Wait, so hold I on. Thought, before, before we go too far, is it okay. fair to say generally that the Glocks are really plastic guns? They're real nice for the manipulations, drawing, reloading, smashing stuff up close. There's not a big problem oh, there. Oh, you can absolutely hose the shit out of stuff with a Glock. As far as drawing, transitioning, reloading, it is, it's tight. Yeah. Yes. And it hitting is, little things tight. far away, that's it's, where the heavy metal guns make life easier. Yes. If we're going to, if we're going to summarize the podcast, I think we could just kill it right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so I've bought a new gun. I want to test. What do you think? What, what do you guys think is appropriate? for testing your new gear. I mean, to know it's gonna work, to know it's reliable, maybe you got some trigger job on the gun, like what are the steps you would follow? You just got this gun out of the box. So what I'm thinking is that hopefully you're not just spending money because you wanna try something new, that hopefully that there is some question in your mind that, that, this is, that, that you're buying something because it's gonna solve a problem. So I think the maybe out of the box, one of the first things is trying to get some feedback on, is this going to solve my problem? So, I mean, for me, one of the first things I did with the Tanfo was go out and shoot some 20 yard partials and shoot some eight inch plates at 15, 20, 25 yards, just to convince myself that is it, is it, is it, is this going to be worth my time? And oh, that makes sense. And it was, I mean, it was like sh shooting my Glock on some tight, partials and the plates and then shooting the Tanfo, I was like, yeah, this is a lot easier with the Tanfo, that the gun is just, it's just a lot easier to keep the gun on target as I'm pulling the trigger straight back. And you aren't shooting a regular, I should say, you're not shooting a regular stock too either. 
So I, I went for the stock two extreme, which has all the go fast stuff done from the factory. And this is the 2020 version. That's all black. Yes. Just so people know what we're talking about. Cause I, Tanfolio is good about changing their guns every year and then not really telling anybody. So, uh, you know, it's, they don't really tell you specifically what they change. They just kind of do what they do. So, you know what I mean? Like the model years, they, I think that'll end up mattering if people look yes. back on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I got, when the gun showed up, I pulled it out of the box, dry fired it. I was like, yeah, this is, this is ready to go. Like we really don't have to do anything here. That yes. the so what's trigger the was, oh, sorry. I would say that the, the trigger was smooth. Uh, I mean, the reset's pretty short. Um, it's not the, I mean, the, the, the it comes with a lightened, uh, or lighter than normal uh, recoil spring, lighter than normal mainspring. Um, so yeah, everything seemed good out of the box. So didn't have to didn't have to fiddle with it at all. Do you guys have a, a mechanical testing as far as how many rounds or a process to make sure the gun's going to be reliable that you'd want to use it in competition? What do you guys use, or do you have a system? <laughs> well, like this that? this madman went and shot his gun in a match like basically without practicing with it oh yeah baby. you're brave <laughs> yeah i just uh i did a course sight in i shot about 100 rounds i'm like okay we're ready to go for a local match <laughs> oh. <laughs> is this the recommendation or what is this so i mean it, it all depends on your local match and like how how, how um i mean i wouldn't recommend doing that at a, at a section or an area match but a, like a monthly local match. I'm like, hey, why not? Particularly if it's something beginning of the season, end of the season, and you're not too, like you don't have too much of yourself hung up on how you do on this thing. Yeah, if I did that mid-season, I, I would be quite invested in the results and upset yes. if things did not go well. Yeah, I was but not particularly invested in the results. And uh, I ended up doing a lot better in the match than I had been. Like there were a bunch of tight shots that I just ate up fairly well and there are a bunch of targets out 15, 20 yards. I'm like, man, I'm just not working hard to get two alphas on these things. So well, it was, ben, that was pretty awesome. Ben, if you're not a mad man, what would be your process? Do you have a process for how many rounds? Yeah. I mean, like I'm going to shoot the gun between two and 5,000 rounds before I trust it in a match. Like that's just me. I'm going to shoot it a lot, clean it, like really understand how it works. And it kind of depends also if it's an entirely new type of gun that I don't know versus like I can take I can take a stock two extreme at this point and and shoot it just a little bit and like hand cycle it and I'm gonna have a pretty good idea how it's gonna work versus well I have some SIG 320 legions coming which I haven't shot a lot so like I will not trust those hoes at all. Yes like almost zero. I mean it'll be like five thousand rounds between a pair of guns before I do anything in a match. Yeah so, so, um that's so about, me though. So how about this? Does it depend on, let's say you have a bunch of friends who are shooting this gun. And if all of them are saying, you know, I really didn't have to do anything to the gun. It just runs. You can start listening to those friends, depending on who they are. This yeah. is true. Yes. And then you so watch, you, you have, you have you people watch you trust. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, this gun never jams. It only jammed one time. And their one jam happens every match or something. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying like if the, the, the people who you are competitive with local, yeah. like, like your local GMs are shooting these things and they're telling you they're good to go then versus like, let's say you're getting some 
new limited gun built by a gunsmith nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, that it's like, thing yeah. I would never trust. No. And if, <laughs> you, and you if I've never... heard of the gunsmith, then I know not to trust them because I've Probably. heard about it. <laughs> and I, I suppose it's personality dependent. I've got like four stock twos in my safe. And if I got another one today that was brand new, I'd still be shooting 2,000 rounds through it before I trust yeah. in a match. But that's just me. Um, another thing I like doing... Andreas is a wild man, though. He is a wild man. More <laughs> wild than I am. Um, if it's a new platform to me, especially, I like shooting the guns until they fail or see if they're going to fail. Like 2,000 rounds, 3,000 rounds, just maybe just oiling it, but seeing is the gun going to have problems? Does it have to be kept clean? You know, any of that kind of stuff. I like being aware of that stuff to know how clean the guns have to be to get them to function properly. But when you buy stock to extreme quality, I guess you're buying the ability to show up at your club match <laughs> and, 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 you know, punch faces without any uh, testing. And this is this is where I think it's good to have two two guns. And I mean, in the past, what I've done is I've had, had taken one pistol as my match gun and the other one as a practice gun. And in the practice one, I just don't clean or replace parts until something goes wrong. I think that's very smart. I do that also. And then you just keep a spreadsheet. Like if you're, depending on your anal retention factor, you can just have a spreadsheet and you just write down like this gun broke, this part broke at this round count. All right. And then now, all over of the us course of a year, a, you notice a pattern. All of us agree that what you're talking about is a good idea. Could you explain for people a little more why it's a good idea? So you're like, basically, you're setting your practice gun up to fail, essentially. Yes. Yes. So why why do that? Because I agree that's a good idea. So I think you want to know why and how the gun will fail so that you know what to look for. So for instance, um, I originally started shooting seriously with the, the Shadow One. And eventually the gun would have feeding issues. And what you realize that is that you would get crud that would build up behind the extractor and reduce the tension on the, uh, on, the, on the extractor. So you know that, okay, after 10,000 rounds, I need to pull the extractor and clean behind it, otherwise the gun's gonna stop working. And that's one of those things, if you just don't clean the gun and you just keep shooting it, you're gonna get crud that's gonna build up and then it's, you lose the extractor tension. And it's one of those things that you, you clean the gun and you're just pulling out mounds of goo from behind the extractor and then all of a sudden the gun just runs beautifully after you're done that. Like, hmm, there might be a little, there might be a correlation here between all that goo behind the extractor and the gun not working. Yeah, and then it also gives you a point to troubleshoot. Like Ben and I have shot uh, stock twos enough that if I have an extraction issue, like if it jams, it's not for no reason. So like, hey, the extractor is the first thing I look at. That's a little bit gun dependent. I suppose, yeah. If the rule for me is if somebody's shooting a stock two and it has an extractor issue, I'm like, that doesn't happen for no reason. But there might be another gun type where, you know, you get the one in a thousand stovepipe thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's just how that gun works. It kind of depends <laughs> yeah. on the gun. Sure. <laughs> but you get a really good sense of if it's going to fail, what parts you have to look after be more sensitive yeah, and to. I, I, I totally agree with you, Andreas. That's exactly why I've, I've done the same thing. It's like kind of. I'm not huge on keeping my guns clean to begin with. And then the training guns, you want to run them hard and uh, kind of you, you really do understand how the gun works after a while. It takes it takes a few rounds, but you you learn a lot yes. by, by seeing it fail and, and how I, it fails. I would like to suggest it's the same process for magazines also. Like I drop it in the dust, dirt, like how much of that stuff can that get through before yeah. it fails? Yes. And if you have a high cap mag, a carry optics mag. Hey, this thing hits the ground, it gets brushed. 
you know, or maybe it's a stock two magazine. If it's to 10 rounds, it's pretty much going to be fine as long as it doesn't have gravel inside of it or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like the CZ, the Glock and the, the Tanfo mags just seem pretty bomb, seem pretty bomb proof. Yeah. That they're, uh, especially with 10 rounds that they're just, they're going to work. For the, yeah, the 10 round production mags. Yeah, they're, they're very good. As soon as you start putting on the extensions and the different yeah. springs kits, then, you know, good luck. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay. So you've got your gun. It's maybe you've shot a match. Maybe you've shot 5,000 rounds. You trust it mechanically. What, what was your process for drills to start with or skills you <laughs> want to start with? Where do you even begin? Like, you you changed from a switched from a plastic gun to a metal gun, a striker fired to a double single. That's a big change. Where did you start out with as far as trying to get up to speed with it? So if the gun doesn't come out of the holster well, you're pretty much screwed. So I think a lot of a lot of my initial work with the stock two was doing draws and dry fire, and then doing draws where I'm both static and, and taking some steps and just getting down how to hit the, uh, how to hit the draw so that the gun comes up with a, with a good grip consistently. And once that was done, um, that, that was the main focus to start. After that, I have shot DISA guns in the past. So a big part was learning on the draw as you're starting to crank back on the hammer, like where is it going to drop? So just getting that intuitive feel for getting the hammer, like if you're drawn to a, a tight partial, for instance, like when that gun comes up and the sights settle, I want to be 90, 90% back on the hammer. And then the, the sights stabilize and you just crank back that last 10%. So getting the feel for that. And that's, that's where the stock two is pretty different, that it, there's, a much more, there's much more stacking in the trigger than there was with the, the CZ that I'd shot in the past. So that, that took a little time to get used to. As an aside, here I'm curious about, do you prefer the stacking or not? I mean, it might sound crazy. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, liking, the, I'm the liking the stacking. It just makes it a lot more obvious where it's going to go off. I mean, the, the CZ... I, yes, I agree totally. Uh -huh. I mean, the, the CZ, I, I've shot some CZs since picking up the Tanfo. And I'm like, how did I ever shoot well with this thing? <laughs> it's been a It's been a surprise. I mean, it's... Maybe not that, maybe that's overstating it, but on, on a no. CZ, it, it's just, it's the same exact weight as you're pulling the trigger. So you gotta, you can't really, there's no real tactical, tactile feedback for when it's about to drop. Well, no, people say stacking is a term that's almost, I've never heard it used in a positive way. I like, like it. Wow, this I'm liking it. At, at least, at, at least, nice. at my, yeah, at this least my skill level right now, I'm liking it. That's a, <laughs> yeah. Nobody said, I agree with you though. Like yeah. I've noticed I've cut, I, I came to, I came, I went to a, uh, Tanfolio from a Beretta, which had a similar trigger system to a CZ really. And, uh, you know, like I came to like that the trigger stacked up, even though it felt weird to start with. It did. It did, but it gives you, I mean, you know, exactly like I can cock that on the, on the draw. I can cock that thing like 95% very reliably. Yeah. And I'm, I'm liking that a lot. I'm liking that a lot on it. So that, so yeah, the learning the trigger and then the, just the, the gun handling on it. Um, I think the, the metal frame guns, I think are harder to reload that there's a lot more sensitivity. Like with the Glock, you have that plastic on plastic. And I mean, if you're close, it's going to, it's going to slide in when you start doing the, the steel on steel. I think it, there's a more of a tendency to hang up. 
So uh, that th there was a lot of, and I'm still not 100% on it, but dry firing and then I'm, I'm working a reload and the magazine just doesn't go in. And I'm like, I'm like standing there with the magazine stuck in the, in the, uh, in the mag well. And I'm looking down at the gun. I'm like, okay, I need to bend my wrist a little bit more to, to get things to line up. So yeah. that was just, it just, it was a lot more sensitive and I'm still, I'm still working on that. That's never going to really get better. I'm, I'm sorry to say. Still when I, do, I can, I can feel it. Play. I mean, I can, when I, when I get my wrist in the right angle, it does, it's pretty solid. Um, I also have to wait. I also have to wait a little bit more. I have to like wait until I'm a little bit more stable. Like a, a Glock, I think you can reload almost at a dead run pretty reliably. With a Tanfo, it's like, you know, I'm not even going to bother trying. I'm going to wait until I start coming into position. Then as I settle down, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go in. This is true. So, so those, um, those would be, those would be the, the main things for getting started. I agree very much about the gun handling. I, guessing you guys would agree once you get the gun out like you're gripping the gun properly i mean yeah for distance shots maybe one settles better whatever but for me like the tough spot is getting the perfect draw where the guns it hit just the right spot on my hand i it's exactly where i want it to be i look at the spot like the gun just comes out perfectly and then like what you're saying the mag changes that takes the most work for me because once you get the gun out you know and the grip fits your hand reasonably well pressing the trigger and watching the sights uh it seems like for me anyway that was the easier part, but the gun handling, getting the right grip and doing the, the mag changes were really the part that I think took the most time. Yeah. You guys think that's fair? Yeah, a ton of percent. Good. Um, so do you have any specific drills that you liked? Was it mainly, if you're doing gun handling, was mainly dry fire? Was that your route also, or did you do just live fire and figure it out as you went? Lots of, lots of dry fire, both in the basement and at the range. So, I mean, uh, I'm not, I, I have, I'm okay on ammo. I'm not flush with it. So I'm doing a lot more, if something's not working, I'll just unload the gun and, and dry fire it for a while, even if I'm at the range. Are you at this point worried you're not going to be getting primers until like 2024? Um, I don't know, maybe late 2020. <laughs> I, I got, I got enough for, I got enough, I'm sorry, late 2021. I have enough primers for 2021. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. The, um, uh, what, sorry. Oh, with, um, with other drills, I mean, I started with fairly static stuff and it's always the case that once you start putting moving parts around your, your, your fundamentals that, that kind of pressure tests them. So once you start feeling good about your draws as you're standing, or once you feel good about your draws as you're stand as your, uh, or your reloads as you're standing still, a good way to disabuse yourself that you know what you're doing is to start running around or doing reloads while you're transitioning or reloads while you're stepping, like doing uh Ben, what's your drill where you have a stick and you're stepping back and forth across oh, it? Oh, bar hop. Bar hop, yes. Yeah. So doing doing uh like four like doing something like four aces where you like cross four aces and bar hop. Like that's and that's a good way to now convince this, yourself you can't reload. I'm kind of thinking of kind of a, a related thing. So when you start putting the new gun on drills, there's like, let's say there's two components. There's objective assessment, like the actual numbers you're putting down. And then there's the subjective feel. Yeah. So what would you say you saw in the objective numbers and how did that compare to the subjective feel? I find that those two things don't always agree. 
if you know what I mean. Yeah, 100, 100%. That um, initially I wasn't shooting much faster with the Tanfo, but I felt like I wasn't working as hard. And what that told me immediately was that there's a lot of gas in the tank here. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, I said that the first match that I shot with a Tanfo, we had, there were a bunch of targets out 15, 20 yards. And I was shooting them a little faster than I would shoot with the Glock. But I was like, man, these are all going to be A's. And we go down and score them and it's like, they're all A's. Maybe there was a Charlie in there somewhere. And that was just telling me, it's like, man, there is, I'm going to be able to hit the gas a lot harder on these things coming yeah. up. You're going to be down like, I, I didn't, soon. Yeah, I didn't feel like I was, uh, <laughs> I didn't feel like I was working that hard. I'm like, man, if I get to where it feels like I'm at the edge of control with this gun, it's going to be pretty sick. I, and, and to reverse that, a lot of times, so what my Glock is bad at, so if you, my Glock is not really great. Just like you, I was like, man, I struggle when the targets get out kind of far away. It's not that I can't hit stuff or that the gun's not mechanically accurate, but I have to grip the absolute piss out of it, and I have to make sure that I'm pulling the trigger absolutely straight. And, and what I is... find that I have to work harder, the numbers don't look that bad. The numbers look fine, but I feel like I am working like crazy. Yes. I think the other the other big thing I've noticed is that the with a with a Glock, and this is probably applies to other plastic pistols or polymer frame pistols, is that I have to grip pretty hard with my strong hand to control the gun. And I feel like with the Tanfo, I can loosen up my strong hand a bit, and that helps me be smoother on the trigger. Yeah, no, I mean, I think yeah. that, I mean, there's just less sympathetic stuff to move around then. Yes, know? yes, and I can, I can focus on just keeping my strong hand relaxed, because if I don't grip down, at least for me, if I don't grip down fairly hard with my strong hand, the gun just moves around a lot. Or the, the Glock, the Glock uh, moves around quite a bit for me, and it doesn't return as cleanly, or it doesn't return accurately. Yeah. I completely agree. So with shooting a Glock, clamp down my hand, I get my finger all the way in the trigger, you know, you mm -hmm. know, and just like reef on it hard. It likes getting manhandled, you know? Yes. Yeah. You got to really control that thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, the Tanfo is a lot more, you can just let it, let it do its thing and it's going to settle down nice and smooth for you after each shot. I agree. Uh, I especially agree with dry training, especially with the new gun. There's just, it's kind of a waste of ammo. If I'm trying to work on drawing the gun or gripping the gun properly where the gun hits just the right spot in my hand, or like what you're saying, magazine change where the magazine's binding up, you're not hitting the right angle. Using ammunition is just, it's almost counterproductive. It's a waste of time. Cause there's just, it's more distraction and something else to worry about safety and whether it's loaded, unloaded, decocking, all that stuff where all you're caring about at that time is just like getting comfortable, uh, getting used to the gun. Where you're, like in dry fire, I would set up just, something like a stage random where it's just some targets here, some targets there reload in between and just getting comfortable, you know, operating the gun. Yeah. And then uh, live, yeah, live fire after that and started working on uh, like doubles and practical accuracy. And then, yeah, distance change, distance change up kind of the usual, the usual drills there. Yep. Just getting comfortable. And I don't, I would say even with a new gun, I don't even have a time goal or a specific goal for a while. It's just, like I started messing around with the Glock recently. My goal, I wasn't even looking at the timer, is just get comfortable. Can I hit everything? Is there any skill I'm not comfortable with? If I have to shoot far targets, am I really worried about it? 
Can I still do close targets? Is my draw okay? Just kind of trying to make sure everything's okay before I attacked any one skill that I was really, you know, like, oh, I, I got this gun. Now it's time to start really working doubles hard where I'm still having problems drawing the gun or something like that. It just wouldn't make any sense. Right, right. Because, I mean, working, working doubles, if you can't get a consistent grip on the gun, you're kind of wasting ammo, I think. Yeah, no point. Uh, so what do you guys think? How long could it possibly take to get up to speed with your new gun? <laughs> you know what I mean? You just switched. You've been shooting Glocks. You're you're very solid with Glocks. You've got this Tanfo. How long do you think? Maybe it's personality dependent or person dependent, but where you're, you know, feeling tuned up and feeling good to go with it. Well, good for what purpose? Matches, competing, like the season. You feel like you are optimized, like that gun is not in the way at all. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question. What do you What do you think? That, that's probably a couple months. You're. Would you say you're there yet with your tanfolio? No. And that you've been at that a, a few months. Couple uh, months. I, I I started shooting it end of October. Yeah. So like November, like so no, I've been shooting it November December, so two months. Yeah, I I would. And I've only shot two matches with it at this point. Yeah, two months is a low number. I think, I think. It, my my feeling or my gut feeling is up to six months very easily before you feel like you just look at a spot, you draw the gun, you shoot it very comfortably. In the case, you know, maybe like what your situation and Andreas is going to switch to shooting, assuming a stock two exclusively, that's your new match gun. I mean, I could see it taking six months of dedicated work to get up to where, you know, things just happen subconsciously. and You don't have to, you know, work as hard. Do you guys think that's fair? Yeah. I'm, no, to, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of... I mean, shooting drills and like the two match, like the, the second match I did uh, was ended was it was in December. Um, I had a couple. I mean, there are a couple of stages. Or it sometimes it happens that it all comes together with a new gun, but then there's some other stages where it was like, man, this was a, this was a train wreck. Yeah, and that so, and that that amount of change would also be different if you were shooting a carry optics Glock and you've switched to a, an iron sided Glock or vice versa, or from a shadow two to a stock two, then that would obviously be a shorter learning curve than if you were a Glock guy switching to a single stack. So, I mean, the, obviously the degrees of how much time and effort and energy it's going to take to switch will vary based on the differences between the platform, the, yeah. the trigger and, system. And I think stuff. also just your, your personal history. It's like, like if you've never shot a DASA gun before, it's going to be a lot harder than if you do have some time on that platform because it's it's going to come back. It's going to, it's going to come back, and I think it's going to come back faster than you than you might expect. Um, how do you guys feel about addressing issues? So, for instance, you get the gun; it's out of the box. Yeah, I don't really know if I love the grips. I'm not really sure if I like this trigger. Do you guys change instantly? No. Do you try it a little bit and? You give it a little bit of testing. What do you think the process is for making changes to the gun? Uh, I mean, I would, if, until you're super experienced, I would say you don't don't change shit for a while. Like give it two, three weeks of dry fire before you touch anything. And that'll just give you, that'll just make sure that you're not sort of biased or sort of like you, or you were anchored to what you were previously set mm -hmm. up. I mean, maybe as you're more experienced, you'll know immediately, like, hey, these grips got to go, or hey, this thing has to change. But generally speaking, I think you want to give it time before you make any modifications at all. Uh, I mean, probably most especially to the trigger. Mm -hmm. like, just 
like it it's not like you're going to be stuck with whatever you've got forever it just i mean shoot shoot the stock gun for a while and you really kind of i think you'll make more informed decisions that way rather than just start monkeying with stuff i'm not sure if your opinion is the same andreas largely i would say it could also be why did you pick up this new gun like what what problem are you trying to solve and that's point mm-hmm. <laughs> yes so, so that's actually the best, and, best question ever what are you yeah. trying to do here buddy yeah yeah <laughs> and i mean if you if you if you picked up the gun because like you you feel like you need a a lighter crisper trigger like well you should probably just go ahead and do that if that's if the gun doesn't come with that versus like i i, I mean if you pick up a factory stock too uh, I just don't think you're going to be competitive with that gun. Oh, you mean the regular stock too? The regular, yeah. The like extreme the, one you've found to be okay. Yeah, the, ex- the extreme one's fantastic, and that's that's why I got it. It's like with the the regular stock too. The the ones I've I've handled. I mean that the the trigger is very heavy. It's very gritty. The one counterpoint like, that I would put out there is like you're not really going to hurt your shooting long term by just shooting the gun that way for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. This is well, this is true. Like, are you are you trying to? It, I think there's also, um, since we're doing an off-season show, like if you don't, if you're somewhere where there's snow on the ground right now, you're not going to have matches for a while. So yeah, mm-hmm. shooting that shooting that gun with the the, the factory springs, yeah, that's probably not going to be uh, that's probably not going to hurt you. I would I'd agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell a small a little story about my Glock experiment and the back straps. So with the Glock, it's a Gen 5, but Gen 4, whatever, there's, you know, the regular grip without a backstrap, then it comes to the two different ones you can add uh, to the gun. And so I shot a buddies that had the largest one on it, and instantly I was like, yep, this is the jam. Put that one in mine, shoot it for a bit, love the way the gun feels. It feels awesome. And then I had to start doing some gun handling, some reloads, and I had a couple times where oh, I just couldn't quite hit the button. And there was just like... I mess around with it in training. I'm like, this is just not going to happen. Like, there's no amount of training that I can do that's going to make my fingers longer or whatever. Don't like, sell yourself short. I mean, people yeah. can, like, tie. Wait. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. People in Africa do that. But there was a point where it, no amount of me doing extra work, I really liked it. I wanted to like it, but it just wasn't happening. So it's just time to make a change. Or uh, grips, if it's um, like a Shadow 2 to throw something out there, the factory grips that come out, the really, really thin grips, yeah. aluminum. Hey, if I'm shooting that gun, there's nowhere for my support hand well, to go. I, I mean, I will say this about the Shadow 2 grips. If you're an, uh, an adult male with average-sized hands or larger, <laughs> the factory grips on there are probably not for you. No. Yeah. So something like that. It's just not happening. There's nowhere for my support hand to go. I don't feel like I get traction. However, if I buy a Shadow 2, I put the grips on it I like, I would not even mess with that trigger out of the box. I would just shoot that gun. The trigger's good enough. I'll wait and make an informed decision. These people cajunizing Shadow Twos make me that make gun me is laugh my ass off. That trigger is good to go. The sights are good to go out of the box. So yeah, I, I haven't run it, into I haven't run into any cajunized Shadow Twos that'll run more than a few thousand rounds before they start shitting the bed. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so, uh, like I said, I think it really depends on what the issue is. If it's a physical limitation, I can't reach, you know, the trigger, the it doesn't fit in my hand, I can't hold on to it, whatever. That's one thing. But if the trigger's a little bit heavy or 
something else, then I think you need to shoot it for a bit and wait until you get more time on it to make an informed decision. So, so can we agree, like we've talked about, how do you know if a gun fits you? So mm -hmm. if the gun out of the box, you can't reach the trigger, what, you can't get Why a good- Why did you buy that gun? Well, yeah, there's, there's that. I mean, some of the guns have adjustable back straps and such, but yeah, can you reach the trigger? Can you reach the controls well? Like, if, is that something that you can fix? Then if so, you probably want to fix that pretty soon. If not, then as you said, why did you buy this gun? Absolutely. Right. No. Yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's maybe the best question. <laughs> what are you trying to accomplish? I like that a lot. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it phrasing exactly like that. All this having been said, I would reckon your stock to extreme is bone stock, right? I did put new grips on it. What did you put on? I put on the thin Patriot Defense ones. Okay. They're a little bit like the, if you've shot a Phoenix Trinity, mm -hmm. they're a bit like that. They're almost as cheese grater as the, the Phoenix Trinity. So it's your pretty, hands like in that or? They're, uh, they're about used to it at this point. Oh, there you go. Well, all right. And, and then the, the factory front sight wouldn't let me hit point of impact or hit point of aim, point of impact with uh, 124s. So I had to put a taller front sight on it. Well, so not not any major changes then. No, no, that's that's all I'm planning on doing doing to it for now. Well, seems to it seems to go well, or it seems to be running really well. Shit, that's good enough for me. I agree. Yeah, and then like the next step for that, once you have the gun, you're comfortable manipulating it and stuff, then you feel where I think I feel pretty okay doing stuff like a stage type of scenario. Where I can pretty much hit everything. Then I'm ready to start, you know, training, getting after it, looking at par times looking at specific goals for drills and start you know yeah that's that's coming next yeah coming next where you're comfortable with the gun you can grip the gun you can draw reload so yeah it's time to start time to start pushing your training yeah and i mean i'm i'm keeping the glocks and i'm going to keep shooting them in practice and when i do teaching and probably now and again in matches so bouncing back and forth between them and also, uh, getting some drill times on both is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, sure. you, it's interesting. You learn an awful lot that way. Yeah. Well, Andreas, and, I'm, and oh, I am finding I am finding that um, learning the. I think always when you, when you when you switch when you pick up another gun, just have approaching it with that beginner's mindset that you're that it's not a natural extension of you, does help you with. I mean, if you are trying to shoot two guns well or trying to work with two guns that one will help you with the other, I think. Just that it really forces you to pay attention to what's going on. And I think that carries back. I mean, just learning the learning the trigger on the, the stock two feels like it's helping me a bit with shooting the Glock. I agree. Yeah. There's just as that. far as like, yeah, being able to pay attention to the, the tension in my firing hand. I think we've talked about this. Your focal points are almost entirely opposite with the two guns well, like with the really heavy gun with a light trigger your focus can just be like you just don't have to worry about the trigger control it's at more all. visual it's yeah. more visual with the with the glock i feel like it's more i gotta put more attention on my hands yeah the, the, and the hand tension it flips everything around yes yeah. yes and that's that's pretty interesting i like it well andreas as the line goes i think this was quite a bang up podcast yeah it's a, always uh, it's nice having you Yes. Always. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, people will definitely be hearing more of you as well. Yeah. Sounds fun. Thank you for listening to Training Group Live. 
Stay up to date at practicalshootingtraininggroup.com or pstg.us for short. If you have a question or a comment, head to the Training Group Live section of the forum. Remember, the best questions turn into show topics. If you aren't a member of PSTG, we hope today is the day we earn your subscription. And with that, train frequently, train hard, but most of all, train smart.